Welcome back to the Mental Lab, guys. I hope you are having an amazing day. You are listening to your host, hostess, your hostess with the leastest, right? We got that last episode. Your favorite podcast host, Charming. Uh, it's good to be episoding. It's good to be episoding another recording. <laughs> But I'm back with another episode for y'all. Once again, it's going to be kind of like another follow-up on one of the topics from last episode, which I'm I'm pretty sure I'll probably just continue like leaking these episodes in that way. It kind of gives an opportunity to elaborate on things fully uh, that I wasn't necessarily able to in the last uh, episode when I was episoding that recording, right? But um it also kind of just gives a little bit more continuity throughout the season, which I think is, is a lot better. It's a lot easier, much, much better way to kind of create some more topics for you guys, even though it's not difficult at all. There is a lot. <laughs> there is a lot with me. So anyway, today's topic is going to be on codependence, which. Lord, that's like a whole seasonal topic itself. So I'm just saying, if I need to make another episode about about it, I will. But, you know, I think I'm going to cover a good bit of it in this episode um, just because I'm going to keep it. I'm going to say short and trim down, but I want to keep it limited to kind of my experience with it, kind of what codependence is. It's a it's a it's a large topic, so it's going to be hard to kind of just basically straight up to find it um to find it look again words don't <laughs> but i'm going to talk about some of the things and some of the patterns that i have in my codependency and some of the situations i come up in in life and give some examples and also talk about some of the different ways that i am trying to recover and trust me if you don't learn something which I, look i'm not a teacher <laughs> I'm not here to teach you these things, but uh, a lot of people don't know what codependence is. And before I heard, I heard the word, I didn't know what it was. So uh, definitely after hearing about it and seeing what it was, I know a lot more about it now and I can, I'm able to like, identify it in my life. So hopefully, like I said, you will learn a little bit of something um, from today's episode That'll help you out. But before we get into that, as always, here's a brief message from our podcast sponsor. Hey guys, really quickly, I want to break away from today's episode to kind of talk to you a little bit about our newest partnership and sponsor of today's video, which is Sandy's Bakes. Sandy is a local business owner, black owned business owner as well, who makes amazing, absolutely amazing treats and desserts and things of all sorts so from cupcakes to cakes to kick pops candy apples and all different types of things and offer amazing great prices too and they look amazing they're beautiful just just look at these amazing cupcakes and this beautiful mental health cake she takes your orders and will take them above and beyond make them absolutely beautiful for you currently right now she is making products for uh buford and surrounding areas but i'm if we can get enough, you know, we could probably get her to start shipping across the country pretty soon here. But her company just finally started. It just kicked off. And I could not thank her more for helping sponsor our actual podcast and giving back to the community. And also just being a huge supporter for us all together. And I really wanted to do and give the same back to her. So thank you, Sandy Bakes, for sponsoring today's video.
Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, and all of those in between, and all of those not on either side. <laughs> now that we're back, a uh, quick trigger warning. So some of the topics we discuss in this podcast can be emotionally triggering to some. If you are triggered at any point in time, I just want to ask that you find the nearest payphone, uh, take a photo of it, sell the photo for $5,000 on the internet. You can just type in vintage XXX category and people will pay money for pictures of old, out-of-date inventions. So go do that. Make you some money. Afterwards, please make your way to the website, officialmentallab.com slash resources boom for a massive directory of resources which i'll be adding some more resources on our soon so you can probably expect over like a hundred resources to assist you and your loved ones right so moving on i am i'm doing well today um i got some good sleep last night uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good today. I got a good, nice little haircut. I look all right. I mean, I'm still itchy because I need to shower after like getting my haircut, but whatever. Um, so I mean, it's good that I got out and got my haircut because I don't think I actually had my haircut in like two weeks, um, which is a, a bit longer for me. But I, um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm doing fine. Like again, I would say I'm green. I'm like I'm thumbs up. Like I'm I'm okay today. I, um, I'm feeling very, I'm, st- I'm still feeling really motivated. Uh, there's, there's still some habits I want to work on adding to my like routine, but like I told you guys, um, uh, last episode or the episode before that, I started, uh, working with this app journey and it journey sponsor, please. Yes. Listen, sponsor. I'll reach out. You reach out whatever but um like i said it's a it's an app that kind of just helps you build good habits you know and it's good and like, like i said it goes just as slow or quickly as you would like uh, i mean they'll limit you and they'll hold you back so that way you know they progress you in steps and you don't rush and screw yourself over right but um the next step for me is to start going to the gym and um in like that lesson i don't want to say lesson but in that that task whatever one of the things is to attach it to something else that you do so that way you you're consistently doing it and so i want it i i love going to the gym like the gym is my life it's just if i'm in the house i'm not leaving the house (laughs) so i have to attach it to something that i do during the day but when like during the day when I'm out, I'm I'm so busy. I'm running from here to there, there to back, and all these different things. So by the time like the day, like the all the events and appointments, all that stuff is done, like it I'm just exhausted and I don't want to do anything. But like that's that time where I need to attach it to something. Like if I wake up earlier and go to the gym and then do other stuff, I could do that. Like I can just shower at the gym. Um or I could go and do all my appointments or whatnot and go to the gym right afterwards instead of coming home. And you know how like how how hard it is for me to drive by my house at the end of a long day <laughs> to go to the gym? Like it'd be a different story if I 
like had appointments on the other side of town where I had to pass the gym to come home. Like then I would feel bad, you know, but now not, I don't necessarily feel bad for passing my house. I feel like I'll just go to the crib. <laughs> I'll go tomorrow. Right. But like somebody said before, tomorrow doesn't exist. So which quote of the episode, cause I don't have a quote for today uh, because of something else, but quote of the episode tomorrow doesn't exist. Matter of fact, that's going on a shirt and a coffee mug. <laughs> Tomorrow don't exist. But um, yeah, but like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling all right. I'm really going to work on attaching, like going to the gym to something, even if it's, you know, after I film the episode, then go to the gym or beforehand or like I, I do my daily, you know, bad thing with, you know, my bad habits that I already have. It would be I, I mean, I don't want to attach it to certain I don't want to attach to a bad habit because okay so I actively daily engage in certain bad habits right and obviously like we've talked about these habits but like a lot of my bad habits so what I don't want to do is attach it to one of those bad habits that I do every day like yeah it will be uh what's the word I don't know the word but it would be good to go to the gym daily <laughs> like because I do that daily but um I, I don't want to attach to that because once I finally do get over that bad habit then I need to try and find something else to attach going to the gym to you know what I'm saying so that's just a little rough that just gets a little bit a little bit hard so I'll figure it out I'll work on something I, I'll do it um also I've been kind of slacking in my breakfast I think I missed breakfast yesterday yeah um some of the breakfast uh like tasks and ideas that they have on there is just to you know when you wake up drink a bottle of water and eat uh like a healthy breakfast just kind of get you some energy and they gave you they gave me some options like you know bananas a handful of uh nuts uh, an apple with like peanut butter um oatmeal eggs like those kind of things which I was doing a good job at. Um, I don't eat much. We all know this. <sighs> and it's not that it's difficult to like just eat. Because it's not difficult to eat. No, it is. It is. It's hard. It's, it's, it's a lot harder. Like I have to consciously make an effort to walk to the, you know, to the cup, to the closet, to the cabinet cupboard, whatever it is. Grab an apple out of the bag, twist the stem off, bite into it, chew it, and make my way all around the apple. Like, that's a lot of commitment. And I, I, the last episode I filmed, wait, no, I filmed yesterday, or I recorded yesterday, and I did have an apple. That's what I can do. <laughs> so if I record, I can make sure I attach eating like something prior to because I like that would make me feel better like I can come into the episode feeling accomplished today I did eat an apple um I didn't eat the whole apple but that was look that was a lot my stomach was hurting that's another thing I want, I, I'm going to talk about too I probably divulged to that in one of the vlogs actually um but like like a lot of times people I think associate my eating disorder with the fact that like yes one I don't eat two I just don't get hungry which uh, oftentimes I don't, but like, I think a big part of that is my appetite as well, uh, which just suffers. I just have no appetite. And even when I have a 
have one is not what I think it is. You know what I'm saying? So it just gets rough. And speaking of just not getting hungry, I get hungry. Not like I want to eat, but like I get hungry. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like um I, I don't I don't know if a lot of you guys relate, but it's like when if you don't shower for like two days, right? Two, three days, something like that, right? You get stinky. You probably don't like stink like crazy, but you get stinky, right? Especially if you go do things and you, you know, work out or you sweat or whatever the case may be. Like you, you just, you stink. Do you necessarily want to take a shower? Yeah, right? Do you have any desire to like just take the action, especially when you're depressed or you're down or you really don't want to do nothing? You really got nothing going on? Not, not so much, right? Um, but you know you should take one. You know, that's the healthy thing to do. That's the clean thing to do. But you just don't just because it's like, I don't have to right now. I could, I could, I could go tonight and just shower in the morning, right? Or I'll push it off. Or whatever the case may be. That's kind of the same thing when it comes to me eating. It's like, I know I should eat. I mean, like, I know that. Like, I'm taught that. Especially being a personal trainer and studying fitness for so long. And, and going into uh, becoming a physical therapist. Like, I know I should eat. I know the importance of a healthy breakfast. And I know my body wants to eat. I know my body gets hungry. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, like your body will stink if you don't shower. Your body will be hungry. I just don't have that appetite or that desire to to eat. And even when I do, it's not as much. It's like you can sit there and say, you know what? I haven't showered in three days. I'm gonna take a nice shower, nice hot steamy shower. Just let the water run all over me. You know, lather my body up like two, three times. And then I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna sit down and you know just soak in the tub and soak in like Epsom salt and bubbles and all these things. And then you get to it. You get in. You put some stuff on your on your hair and your body and you get out. Like that. That's what ends up happening. Like a lot of times, I like I sit there and I try and fantasize and I hype myself up to eat even just an apple or a banana, you know, and that, that becomes exhausting. I'll be honest, just like sit there and try and really focus on eating. That becomes exhausting. But like I said, I'll probably talk about that more in a vlog. Um, because sometimes I'd be, I'd be struggling with that. And I'd much rather talk about that at an emotionally vulnerable situation, you know, because that's what the vlog is for. But besides that, um, next week I have some training for the social media platform. Uh, they just actually called me like right before I started filming or uh, before I started episoding this recording. <laughs> they just called me to um, offer me a spot in their training. And so I'm going to go through a lot of that stuff. Uh, also, please forgive me. I was outside earlier today uh, for a little bit and I got really cold. So you might hear me sniffling. This microphone is too good. I can even hear me breathing in. <laughs> but um, so I'm excited for that training just because like I'll be able to better give you guys that social media platform to be able to just go to and utilize and connect with people and, and causes and all that kind of things. Um, I, there are, are going to be new blog posts for uh, Mad Pride Week for next year. Um, currently right now, I just posted a, 
a posting kind of describing one of the events, the, that event being the spotlight of the day. And I just talked about uh, why I want to plan it in, what it, what its purpose is, those kind of things. Really short little read. Make sure you go to the website, uh, find that blog. is You can find it pretty easily. Um, and just if you have any ideas about that, about that topic or that event, just put them in the comments uh, underneath. I would love to get more feedback. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, I expect to have a lot more posts on there about the events, about the drafted events, at least. So I would love to get you guys' feedback so we can like finalize a good like event schedule for that Pride Week. But moving on along, I don't have a song. And like I said, I don't have a quote, but I guess quote of the week is tomorrow doesn't exist or of the, of the day. Tomorrow doesn't exist. But last night, last night, yeah, last night I watched Cruella on Disney+. Plus. Let me tell you, if you have not seen it, spoiler alert, look, spoiler alert, okay? <laughs> but it's it was a good movie. I was I I was getting my life from minute zero to like seven and a half. <laughs> and then like at minute eight, like Corella's mom died. And like she killed her. And I was like, oh, Disney. What? Like look. <laughs> that was rough, okay? But uh every second after that, I loved that movie and there's a few things i want to talk about within that movie that i i really want to bring to life because it kind of is like how this season is going to go with the human library with the video podcast like we'll have the guests we have the books with their story and what corella did she told her story in in the movie and so it was just like I got the chance to read Corella's story from her point of view, you know, not from some Disney writer's point of view, even though literally it was a Disney writer. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Okay, cool. <laughs> but um, I really want to talk about some of the topics and whatnot that I saw and that was portrayed in there because I think a lot of that we can all relate to in many different ways, especially when it comes to just our health and our mental health, for instance. Um, so one of the things that she talked about, she uh, listed, you know, after, um, so later on in the movie, at the end of the movie, she found out that her boss, like her, the Baroness, like that she worked for, she was this fashion design, like head of this company or whatever. Literally, when I say this Baroness is like the queen of all queens, she is the queen of all queens. You have never met somebody just more just blunt, blatant, emotionless, expressionless, but still like a fierce, fashionable. Look, I was living my little gay boy life vicariously through her that entire sh she stole the movie from Cruella like now Cruella <laughs> she got with it but whatever so anyway once once Cruella found out that the Baroness was her actual birth mother and that her actual mom her um adopted mother was her adopted mother she um she talked about grief which you would assume that she would have talked about grief excuse me, when her mom actually uh, died. But she didn't then, which she was a child, right? And 
at that point in time, you know, as a child, you don't know much about, you know, grieving and whatnot. You just know you've lost someone. And she, she did what she needed to do to, you know, get past it. But she didn't talk about the five stages of grief until she realized that her, you know, like the, the real situation about her mom's, her mom's, which I thought was really neat because like with a lot of times, a lot of times people relate, you know, you know, grieve a lot, like the stages of loss, all those things, all the stages of grief, all those things to actually like someone dying. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's not always the case, right? That's, that's not always the case. And that's, that's why that was perfect for her to put it there because she had already lost her, her adopted mother. She lost her years, you know, years prior, uh, decades prior. But it was when she lost the idea of who her mom was, that right there was another, that was a, that was a loss. Even ideas can can cause you to go through, you know, the five stages. I believe it's five stages. I'm saying five. I, Whatever. But even a loss. I mean, even an idea, you know, it's like if you have a goal, for instance, which I've had many goals. <laughs> I've had many of those. I am just that kind of person. But you have a goal and something happens where you cannot do it or something. Okay, for instance... Few years ago, um, it was right after I started as a drill instructor. Um, it was something I really wanted to do for a, for a while. And granted, I didn't want to do it in the place that I got, but whatever. But I was excited to, you know, be able to make a mark and make a difference and all those kind of things. And mid cycle, my very first cycle, uh, so about a month and a half into my very first time training recruits, I jacked my leg up really bad well actually it's like a few weeks in but it got so bad to where i couldn't run or walk um about a month and a half in which was horrible um but at that point in time it wasn't too bad i was like i'm just gonna go to physical therapy i'll get better i'll be back by next cycle next cycle rolled around like six days in i completely snapped my leg was not ready to go back to work completely snapped it done and they were, I was looking at getting, you know, medically separated from the Marine Corps at that, at that point in time, because this had happened two times. And I, that, that was when I started the whole denial, like this isn't happening. Like I can work, I can do this. I can just, you know, just let me like, just let my leg rest for a few days, you know, like those, those whole things. But I didn't lose anyone. I, it was just my goal. My the things I wanted, you know, my aspirations were lost because I, you know, I broke my leg and I and I was useless and purposeless is what it felt like, you know. And so I started those five stages of, of grief for my for my loss of my goal. And so in the in the movie, I thought that was perfect how she decided to talk and she didn't talk about, you know, it wasn't necessarily about losing her mom um, as her real mother, it was just <laughs> who she lost her mom to, you know what I'm saying? And now, and that was, that caused even more. 
and even, and even better, she was like, you know what? I'm skipping all the rest of the, the grief options. I'm going straight to anger, <laughs> which I think is 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 commendable in a way, right? Because instead of so a person like me, which we're going to talk about later, a person like me, I I thrive off of control. You know what I'm saying? And so when things are out of, out of my control, it is rough for me. It causes me anxiety, all those things. So I, it's kind of commendable that she was like, you know what? Right now, I'll, I'm pushing off all the other stages of, of uh, grief. Right now, I'm angry. And she took control of that. So I was also, I was also inspired by her, her ability to take control and say, you know what? I'll deal with these emotions later. But right now, I'm angry. Very, very angry. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I really enjoyed that. Like, I, like A plus writers, that was good. Uh, so speaking of, you know, her mom. So she later on, she was uh, talking to her mom after she got her revenge. And she was just talking about how like, hold on, excuse me. Okay. And she was just talking about um, how like, yeah, she was my lying adopted mother, but she did it, you know, to protect me because she didn't want me to become, you know, my actual mom, but my actual mom is psychotic and she didn't want me to become psychotic, but it would have been nice to know. And so it posed a question in my head and it poses, like, I wanted to pose it to you guys. And obviously, um, it's not, I don't want to say it's a redundant question, but there's no right answer, whatever that type of question is, right? But is it, is it okay? Like, and, and this, I guess this is a, a, a parenting thing, right? But is it okay to lie, you know, to protect? I, I mean, that's something that humans basically do is protect. Like, that's a huge part of, of, our, of why we have offspring and whatnot is to protect them. So is it okay to lie? And if the if the answer is, you know, at at times, which I guess the answer would be that, you know, depending on the situation, if that's the answer, are we willing to deal with the potential consequences of that lie? You know, and how long will you hold the lie? Will you take it to your grave like her mom did? I mean, her mom didn't expect. I mean, and, and you you could be sure that her mother, you know, her her adopted mother would have told her eventually but she was a child you know but still she took that to her grave and that that that's 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 rough you know what i'm saying that's 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 where things get hard because it's like i did this to protect you but while trying to protect you i didn't give you an opportunity to know who you are potentially you know what i'm saying and so that's why it just brings up that question. So I just, I really want to bring that up because even as children or young adults or teenagers, when you've been lied to for your own protection, which is in a way necessary, right? It can cause things like Corella was going through because at that point, growing up, she was having a major identity crisis and she was always promising to her mom she was going to be a better person, which she wasn't bad. She was just... I don't want to say misunderstood. She was just not who everyone else was, you know, and which is I, I think that's great. And that's that's what makes each and every person special, not being like everyone else, 
But when you're you're looking for answers of why you're so far left or so far right from everybody else, it could be hard. And that's where it comes into play. Like, you know, I understand as her mom, you know, why she's like this. But do you tell her? Do you subject her to, you know, living out the story of her mother? That is, it was rough. It was just a, a question about the post. Um, just speaking of that, uh, like just being an outcast though, like, like, like how she was and growing up, I've experienced that a lot, especially because like I was a bit more feminine, um, growing up and I did more feminine things. Like I made fun of for it, called all the words in the book. Um, and I'm sure many of you, many of y'all out there have felt like an outcast at many times, even if, even if you're in the in crowd, because there was a point where I, everybody loved me and whatnot, but I still felt like an outcast. Even, granted, at that school, it was like five black people in the school of like 400 white people and Hispanics. And so it's easy to feel like the outcast. But um, still, I still felt like the outcast, you know, and there is nothing wrong with that. But what it does to your mental health when everybody else is reacting to you being an outcast, you being far away from everybody else and the standards of what it is to look and dress, all those different things, that that stuff gets rough because it plays on you. Because once again, as you grow up, you start to look for that identity. You start to look for validation that you're doing these things the right way or you begin to kind of. What I've done is magnetize towards people who don't necessarily appreciate the weird things, you know, and I have great, I have great friends. I have have always, I've I've always had great friends. Yeah, I can, I can name you like one or two great friends from like each moment of my life. Um, But besides that, you end up gravitating towards people who don't appreciate your weirdness or your outcastness or your far whateverness, you know what I'm saying? And so you start to gravitate to people who don't appreciate it because they are going to validate that you're weird (laughs) and we get used to that. But I saw that and I connected with that again. But uh, last few things, I noticed with her that the same thing with me, when things are good, they're great. Right. So she was living a rough life after she found the two guys. She grew up. Uh, you know, things were rough. I mean, she was cleaning toilets in a fashion um, in a fashion store down by where she lived. Nice fashion store, but she had bigger goals, bigger dreams. Obviously, story, 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 plot, plot, plot. She ends up working for the Baroness, her real mother, and being, like everything was just great. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, she was just reeling and just just, she loved it you know what I'm saying and that was great and it was just like one day she was absolutely horrible the next day absolutely amazing she finds out that her mom or the baroness had her mother's um, necklace and it got immediately it went immediately down not depression but to uh, resentment you know what I'm saying and it was like she was absolutely in love with the baroness and it's one thing if Emotional reactivity is a real thing. And I loved how how they played it in in the um, episode. And I'm not saying like, um, and I'm not saying with all these things that like Corella has a mental illness, which I mean, it's Corella DeVille. What do you expect? 
But again, because mental health is not just an illness or a diagnosis. I again, I always want to make sure I, I am enunciating that, saying that enough, because I'm just analyzing these and talking about how these relate to mental health. Um, she had on a button that said B word. I loved it. Expect some, some merch. <laughs> Expect something so that way you can be proud. Pride. You can be pride and wear be weird. Um, unwired. Oh, I like that too. Be unwired. Be weird. Ooh, okay. But I loved it. Like, um, and then there was art. No, actually, I think it was art that was wearing it. Whoever. But art. This dude. He was um, he was amazing, and he like he said, "Live, I live to make weird normal," and that was just perfect. I I love that statement, and it's just something that I think a lot of us need to like accept, and that's one reason why I really want to have uh, Mad Pride Week is because like we need to make it normal. We need to make being weird normal. It's, it's just so much better for, you know, the, the future generations if they can feel okay with being whoever, however, wherever, whenever they are. Because, you know, a lot of these kids, they think different generations. My brother, stop phone. My brother, <laughs> who's like 21, uh, yesterday or the day before, he goes, I remember a time when, excuse you? I don't even remember a time when. <laughs> I have no memory. What do you mean you remember a time when? What? <laughs> okay. But so that's why we'll let these future generations live whenever they want because apparently they're boomers and Gen Zers at the same time and whatever, millennials and all this stuff, that whole thing. But really quickly, I just want to like talk about... Um, Something I talked about, talked to one of my friends about yesterday uh, while watching uh, Cruella because uh, it was amazing. But he was just talking about how he loves evil villains. And he's a gay man, just like me. Um, and he was talking about how he loves evil villains and he loves like learning about their backgrounds and how they became evil and all that stuff. So that's one really reason why he really liked Cruella. I decided to talk to him about uh, something I found out uh, probably like within like the last year or two um, in my research about some like LGBT history, LGBTQ plus I, I, I plus, 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 okay? Um, history. So a lot of people don't know this, but evil villains, like the traditional and the older evil villains are, were modeled after homosexuals and lesbians. At which I mean, they're they are homosexuals, but look, homosexual men, homosexual women, lesbians, gay men. There we go, got it. So that's what they were designed after, right? And that's why you get these very androgynous figures of evil villains, right? You get these women with very deep voices and oftentimes shorter cut hair, um, and then you get them with this masculine, this masculinity feature of them of being very strong, right? A lot of villains are very strong, whether it's mentally or actually with, you know, brute strength. A lot of them just are. Um, you get a lot of the female villains with that very chiseled jaw. And back in the day, evil villains, you know, especially women, were portrayed as, for instance, like a better words, as lesbians because... Nobody wants to be a lesbian. And, and back in those times, especially in the 40s, 
Um, and even back in the 30s, I think that was like one of the earliest Disney princesses. Um, Snow White, maybe. Um, I look, I'm not too well versed on the like chrono uh, the time. There we go. The look. <laughs> I didn't have the greatest education in the world, okay? And I've been out of school for a long time. I'm trying to remember these words. It's not the greatest. The whole, trying to remember the whole Disney Channel princess cinematic universe. (laughs) I don't got the dates and years down. But back then, that was the point. That's why uh, with a lot of evil men or a lot of like the princes who were not the, who were not the, um, who were like the antagonists, like the, yeah, like the prince antagonist, because in a lot of those prince mo- princess movies, they would fall in love with a prince. With a prince, the princess would fall in love with a prince, and there would be typically another prince in the story who's the antagonist, and that prince typically would be much more feminine. Like a lot of the like, there's not many evil male villains, but like the evil male villains, they would be much more feminine characters and softer, and they're over the top. Think of Jafar from Aladdin, over the top and campy. Just, I mean, all evil villains are campy because what are, you know, homosexuals? We're very campy, you know, just over the top and oh, emotions. And you could see him let a little teardrop when he wants, you know what I'm saying? And so that's how people, that's how evil villains are were designed and modeled after because that was against the norm and end of these movies we want these these beautiful stories that are told with no drama with no extra anything but the only people or types of people that bring drama and um complications and weirdness into life whether it's real life or these movies in their mindset were these you know radical homosexuals and so that's where the evil villain came from. And that's what they were designed from way back when. And Disney, Disney was, they hopped on that. That's how, that's really how like our now modern days um, villains are designed. Even that's just how they are. Um, whether they're brand new villains from a brand new production studio or a brand new idea, whatever the case may be, those, they're modeled after, you know, the older, the older villains, which the older villains are modeled after us. So in all actuality, it might sound like Disney is homophobic, but they kind of love us (laughs) in a way, but I'm, I'm kidding, obviously, because that's just the same thing as the whole, like, you know, um, black culture appropriation and all that kind of stuff, black fishing and whatnot. It's very similar to that situation. But I think I talked enough about Cruella. I look, I fangirled over Cruella last night. Got my life screaming. Almost lost my voice. It was it was a great movie. So good job, Disney. That was an amazing uh, movie. So bam, just like that, it's time for the main topic of codependence. I want to tell you, you're probably gonna feel like. <laughs> like you've been doing everything in your life wrong, okay? <laughs> but what I want to tell you is this: these are my experiences. These are things that I have been trying to work on and things. I'm not giving you the full list of what codependence looks like or any of those kind of things. Um, so there are things that are like, a, there are, there are, Codependent patterns, I'm not going to talk about. I would invite you to go and find more patterns and learn more about it. 
But what I do not want you to do, because you'll probably do it because I tried. When I learned about codependence, I tried my hardest to be the opposite of codependent, which is only another form of codependence. <laughs> like you'll see when I talk about this, like there, there, codependence is such a large, massive just thing where you could be on the left side of it, right? You can be uh, like a submissive kind of person who, you know, gives things up for everybody else, who's very passive and, you know, they'll bend to the will of other, like you can be very far to the left. You can be very far right and be a very dominant, take things, accusatory, aggressive kind of person. And then you could be anything in between. And it's not it's not static. It's not this is just you all your life. It it can change and over time develop into something on both sides. Or it could be in in a relationship, you're very far left, like um serving willing. But in your friendships, you're very aggressive and very petty and very sarcastic. But like with your family, you're extremely narcissistic and you're and you know, you've done things and you want to show up. It could be all these different types of things, and that's what's so difficult about codependence. So that's what I want. That's why I want to say, be before you go and you try and change some of your codependent habits. If you do have some, I want to let you know. Talk to a therapist. Talk to someone who's like well versed in it and can help guide you, because it could destroy you a lot, especially if you have good relationships going on. I don't want you to ruin relationships. Listen to me like, oh, I need to get better at that. I don't want that because you probably already have good things set. And if you're satisfied with them, yeah, I would definitely talk to a therapist and even talk to, you know, whoever these relationships are with, friends, family, loved ones, those kind of things, and kind of get their feedback, see where their stance is. And if you need to adjust, okay, yeah, sure, go ahead. But I don't want you trying to change a life like what I did because that's what I tried to do. And I was in a relationship at the time, which is really where I'm most codependent. Um, I'm not really that codependent with my family and friends, um, mostly in my romantic relationships. So um, I learned about codependency back in March. I think that's when we started talking about it. I got I got a sneeze. <laughs> I think that's when we started talking about it. I didn't sneeze. Um, but I learned a lot from them. Like, a lot and um i mean they gave us a lot of different resources to to you know work on and remember it so like it's i kept those i kept those resources so i can go back to them especially for once i'm in a relationship i can work on them and you know look like like evaluate myself like am i really truly doing this you know and so that's what I'm going to go through today. I'm just going to kind of talk about some of the things I used to do. Um, I want to talk about what kind of what codependence is. I'll look up a definition on Google here and um, kind of give def like Google's definition. And then I also want to talk about what it's like and what it does look like and some of the kind of ways I am trying to like get better or recover from them. There's a lot of recovery statements that I've seen on the internet as well. Um, so wait <laughs> on the internet as well that has helped me out. So I'll try and give a few. I'll try and give a few of those 
so that you guys all right so the term codependency is often used to is often used casually to describe relationships where a person is needy or dependent upon another person but there is much more to this term than everyday clinginess in its simplest terms a codependent relationship is when one person when one partner needs the other partner turn needs to be um in sociology codependency oh, nobody told you to move uh that's talking about codependent relationships um all right so it's important to know the difference between depending on another person which can be a positive and desirable trait and codependency which is harmful uh, so some of these are some examples that illustrate dependent right are uh, that's two people who rely on each other for for love and support both find value in relationship and codependent the codependent person feels worthless unless they are needed by and making drastic sacrifices for the enabler the enabler gets satisfaction from getting their everyday needs met by said other person the codependent is only happy making extreme sacrifice partner and they feel they must be needed by this other person to have any purpose so that's kind of just like an example again like it's just really hard to describe the definition of codependence because of just how large of a topic and situation it is so what i really want to get into like i said is just talking about what it looked like with me um but there is a few different patterns that i've learned um i have that my codependence fits into okay so um that is denial low self-esteem compliance control and avoidance and like i said i, I learned these from going to group therapy um earlier this year and those five were where i found traits in well actually it was just the first four but like i said there's more patterns but i i have added avoidance because over like the last few months i've learned with me trying to not be codependent i have learned to start doing a lot more avoidance patterns so i want to add that pattern to the list of things okay so really quickly uh, i'm just gonna, gonna kind of go through some of the things that I would do and some of like the recovery statements for some that I was able to find and kind of give an example for some of them. I'm not going to go through all of them because look, I'm a very codependent person. <laughs> very. But so some of the denial patterns that I've shown, um, I often have had difficulty identifying what I'm feeling. Obviously, you guys have listened to me for about six months now. And so, you know, I'm very articulate with my emotions and my feelings. I am now. I used to I used to suck at that. But actually, I have a really good like statement for that on how to, you know, how to work on that. Um, so one thing I found is I am aware of my feelings and identify them often in the moment. I know the difference between my thoughts and my feelings. So I used to consistently feel like my feelings and my thoughts were synonymous, that I could not control either. A lot of times I would say that um, my my thoughts like or my feelings invoke my thoughts and that I only think this way because of how I feel, which isn't necessarily true all the time. 
I can control my thoughts. I'm, I'm able to let myself either ruminate on thoughts or not. I, I can control my thoughts. My feelings are my feelings. I can't control my feelings. They're not, I, I just can't just say, you know, screw my feelings. I mean, I kind of can in a way, but just not nearly as easy as my thoughts. But so I used to act based off of my thoughts a lot instead of identifying my feelings, separating those and working with those. Um, another thing I do is I minimize my, I minimize how I feel. I used to, again, I used to minimize how I feel often. I think embracing the feelings that you have is extremely important, you know, because we all are subject to having any kind of emotional reaction to any situation. And I tell people all the time, there's no real such thing as overreacting. Like there's no real such thing. You are, you are reacting emotionally in the best way that you know how for that moment with as clear or unclear of a head as you have. And, and you are subject to feel however you feel. Okay. Emotions themselves are valid. Your feelings itself is valid. Your thoughts, you can control those because again, if you, if you, base your thoughts based off of how you feel, you're going to, you're going to hurt a lot of people and you're going to hurt yourself a lot. But those feelings are definitely valid. Everyone's feelings are valid. That's something that a lot of us need to remember too. Um, another thing I used to do, oh my God, especially my relationship. So I would try and perceive myself to others as being like, radically loving, completely unselfish, and just loving unconditionally, right? So that way it could benefit, you know, the other person or relationship and that kind of thing, which, oh, that was not necessarily true. Like the, the reason for the benefit, what I got from it is what made me very codependent because in my relationship with my ex earlier this year, um, I always just like, you know, uh, I'm here for you regardless, no matter what so much that even when I thought he was cheating on me, um, which I made this up in my head, I was just like, you know what? There's signs, there's things going on. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty positive. He's cheating on me. Let me just ask him and give him the benefit of the doubt and give him like a chance to be like, hey, like, yeah, this has happened. I'm, I've been unfaithful. And I was I would have been like, OK, cool. Look, if that's what you want, if that's what you need. I'm all right. Like with that, like we can work on that. You know, this is and this. And and me doing that, that 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 literally is a definition of codependence. And I wasn't doing it because I was like, I need you. You know what I'm saying? I was doing that to try and portray that I'm here for you regardless to benefit you and our relationship, which was not true at all. It, that only benefited me. Those kinds of actions only benefited me. Why? Because it, it showed that if you stay with me, I'm worthy. That's what it is. If, if, if I do this and you accept it, you'll stay with me. And now I'm worthy of somebody 
of, of you know marriage material or I'm worth like I'm a good person and you 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 show that you actually truly love me and you trust me you you're there for me and that you'll get the those that's why I was doing those kinds of things because I'm I'm giving you everything but I'm only giving you these things because this is what I need and it benefits me to do this it benefits me to say hey you know what I'll do this because I'm loyal and it makes me feel good to know that I'm loyal. You know what I'm saying? Because I need to feel worthy. And I need to feel like I like somebody got my back. If, if, if not, you know, somebody else, me. And if I can have my back by basically making you think that we're good, then <laughs> I got my back. I used to do that a lot. And that would build up a lot of resentment. Because I really uh, self resentment because I really started to hate myself for it and within our relationship because there would be like one time where we get into an argument or not necessarily like a like a fight but just like a disagreement or whatever and I was learning at that time how to be assertive and so I was very conflicted because it's like do I be assertive or do I tell them like you know what it's okay I got you I'm here for my benefit, you know? So I was struggling with a lot of things. Um, I'm I'm doing much better at that now. I think one of the biggest things for me to get out of that was to think about my intentions and think about who I am, whether I feel worthy or not. I, that, that's not the point. But to think about who I am, what I stand for, my values are. But the biggest thing is really those intentions. Because if I can think about those intentions and then remember those intentions when I am feeling, you know, codependent or not necessarily codependent, when I am feeling, you know, needy or unworthy or whatever the case may be, I can think about what what is it that I stand for? This, all right, let me move forward. You know, so that was one of the ways I kind of got over that. One of the last few things uh, that it kind of just in my denial patterns um, is that I used to mask my pain in many different ways. Okay, I, I this I still do to this day. Um, it's something I I am not actively working on, but it's something that eventually I'm going to work on. But I think while working on a lot of other things, I've gotten better at this. But like I said, masking your pain. I talked about it in the last episode. Um, people wear masks all the time. Especially when you wear masks, you're you all you see is that people people are also wearing masks everywhere you go. That's all we do. Um, and so I will mask my pain in isolation. I not necessarily humor, not necessarily like anger or sadness or even depression. I would I would mask my pain in isolation. That's how I would do it. Um Fortunately enough, I do have another statement because that was, like I said, that was is that I is a bit more difficult to just actively work on. Um, but I did find like one of those recovery statements for, it, and it is, I am aware of my painful feelings and I express them appropriately. I think that is an extremely important um, uh, statement, especially the express them appropriately because express your feelings. I. I forget to do that so often. I, I like I, I still do it. I mean, my friends know it's called my it's called my cocoon. I, I have a cocoon. I think I might have talked to you guys about my cocoon before. You know, I go into this cocoon when I'm feeling any kind of pain. I'm in a lot of pain sometimes. And the best thing I can do is to 
going to a cocoon, even if it's just for me. But you know, regardless, that's that is not healthy when I'm, you know, in a relationship romantically or, you know, with friends because I go into a cocoon from my friends because a lot of times I'm in pain. And I don't want my friends to see that, you know, or my family. So I just go into isolation and I call anybody and I talk to anybody. So those are some of the kind of denial patterns. The low self-esteem, look, <laughs> look, I'm still working on that. Okay, that I'm going to have to work on that <laughs> heavily. Um, so I'm going to breeze by these low self-esteem ones because I don't have a good enough path to tell you because I'm working on them. So um, I have had a lot of dif difficulties making decisions and making effective decisions and more importantly, trusting that the decisions I'm making are good, you know, and that's 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 hard. It's hard for me because I've made such bad decisions or I've made a decision that turned out to be bad. Like, for instance, I, I talked about it, I think, a few episodes ago. Um, I was I was horrible one night. I was in a lot of pain mentally and emotionally. And instead of, you know, doing what I would regularly do to self-harm, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go to sleep. And I know it's rough for me to sleep, so I'm just going to go and take some, take some of my sleeping pills so I can just go to sleep. And this all be over, and I'll wake up tomorrow, and I'll be good. That turned out to bite me in the butt, as we talked about. I accidentally overdosed. And so it, it becomes so hard for me to trust that the, the decision I'm making is the right one or is an effective one, and that's going to help. And that, in turn, goes into a, a relationship because I might make the decision to be assertive today and to say and not be so aggressive because even sometimes I can be aggressive, right? We can be aggressive or passive or, or anything in between. But if I'm normally aggressive and today I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try and do this right and assertively. I might get taken advantage of because I might not seem as serious. You know what I'm saying? And if I get taken advantage of and that's the outcome, the next time it's time for me to make a decision on whether I'm going to approach this person that I care about in an aggressive, passive or assertive manner, I promise you I'm not, I'm not going to be able to want to do it in an assertive manner because I got taken advantage of the last time. But is that the right decision? Like to not give them another chance? But is that the right decision to give them another You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times that's where we also start looking to that other person for that for um, decision making. That's where we start needing them to make the decisions for us, which turns to another point of codependency. Um, a lot of times we judge what other people or what our partners uh, think, says, or do as extremely harsh or never good enough. And that, I again, I'm still working towards. I, you guys hear me say it all the time. Like I don't feel very worthy of lots of things. I don't feel good enough for lots of things. But in a relationship, that is horrible because if I don't, like, um, for instance, in one of my relationships from a few years ago, I was with this guy where I was on the uh, opposite side of, uh, of the codependency. So I was always just harshly judging and judging everything that they say and do and making them never feel good enough. And I should have accepted him. You know what I'm saying? And in turn, with him being on the opposite side of that codependence, he didn't accept who he was in our relationship. And he was always trying to change and work on things and try and be perfect. But I want to, I want to, emphasize that it's not about perfection right it's about 
progress. And when things aren't great or when things need to get better, it's not about perfection. No, if I, if I, would, if I come to him and I say, I don't like this, I should not expect him to be perfect. You know, and I should not and he should not expect for himself to be perfect for me. That's that's two codependent people right there. Um, um, low self-esteem when it comes to my embarrassment. I am still embarrassed to receive gifts, praise and recognition. I not just embarrassed. It's just hard for me. And that's still something I'm working on. I've been working on that for years. I remember a few years ago, my friends wanted to give me Christmas presents. And that was a very rough, anxious time for me. But um, I remember the counselor I was seeing at that point in time, she gave me a statement to continue saying over and over. And I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. But she said, it is okay to feel appropriately worthy of the recognition and praise and gifts that I receive. And I had to tell myself that over and over. Do I believe it? No, but I kept telling myself that so much that when I did get the gifts, I was able to feel appropriately worthy of this gift. You know what I'm saying? Um, so um, next thing that I do often still, I don't perceive myself as lovable or worthwhile. Again, I already talked about this in denial. Um, I It's hard. It's hard because of how messed up and screwed up I feel I am. You know, everybody has their own problems, right? I got 99 problems. And the last problem I have is me. <laughs> like, that's that's really what it is. And because of, I have all these problems and I know that I'm an issue myself and I know I'm a work and I know all these different things, like, it's hard for me just to feel that I am lovable and that I'm worthy of you know, a good relationship of, of something. And so because of that, it's ruining kind of my present day potential, you know, partners or romantic partners, even friendships. I it's, it's hard for me to nurture my friendships when they kind of go a little sour because I don't feel lovable already anyway. Um, and that and that is still going on. Like it, it's still that those kind of things still hurt me and still hurt the people I care about. Just because if you love somebody, <laughs> you you are you're like act, you show them that you love them daily or whatever. Like it's hard to continue to let somebody just feel unloved when you love them so much. And in a relationship, that can become extremely exhausting. And I could only imagine like earlier this year, like I was with when I start to feel just very unworthy how much of a how much of a weight it was on his shoulders to try and make up for that love you know and that's why currently today like I still tell people like look until I can love myself and feel lovable and worthy you cannot do it and I know you want to I know you want to be there I know you want to all those things I know but if I don't feel lovable, it does not matter how much love you give me. I'm not going to be able to accept it if I don't feel that. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times it's hard for us to feel valuable, especially knowing all the different things we have going on. A few other things. Um, there is I was unable to identify or ask for what I needed. 
um, and wanted, especially when it came to sex, because I, I use sex very differently than most people. Uh, my addiction, i.e., or i.e., my addiction, very emotionally charged is, is sex for me. And so it was really hard for me to do those kinds of things. Um, looking to others to, to provide a sense of safety for me, especially once again, when it came to sex, I have very low self-esteem <laughs> codependence patterns and a lot of them deal with sex, um, having trouble setting healthy priorities and boundaries when it comes to sex. I dealt with that. That was a bad one too, because I would feel like if somebody else, if my partner, especially earlier this year, when I would tell him like, look, I know we're in a bad place. We can just reset me and my emotions and all this stuff by just having sex. And that was a boundary for him that he was not willing to, to, to even touch. No, if we're not good, I'm not going to have sex with you just so that way we can be better. That That's not healthy. But that was hard for me to understand. Well, I, I understood it, but it was hard for me to feel, you know, and to understand that part, that that boundary. So moving on over to compliance, um, to compliance patterns. So these are kind of things like loyalty and um, being there for people and not being looked at as, you know, kind of, again, I guess in a way, look, these all kind of tie each other to each other. Compliance. Okay. <laughs> so uh, codependents are often extremely loyal and remaining in harmful situations for a very long time. And this is where you see a lot of people who are going through like a lot of abuse, right? Um, whether it's physical or verbal, I will put myself in that situation just so I can, again, receive, you know, that loyalty feeling that I am a good person. You know what I'm saying? And so I do fortunate enough have a recovery statement because I really thought that was important. So I really want to look that up because I, I think a lot of people are going through a much stronger situation of that than I am. But I am committed to my safety and leave situations that feel unsafe or are, in, are inconsistent with my goals. I think it is an extremely important thing, covenant for you to commit to your own safety. Like I just think that's important. I think that it will allow you to develop and become much less codependent when you can do that with yourself. Uh, a lot of times I'll compromise my own values and my own integrity. Well, not so much my, yeah, my integrity <laughs> to avoid rejection because I need to be validated so much. I'll do what it takes to receive that validation that I'm okay, that I'm worthy, that I can be happy, that our friendship will last the test of time, that, you know, those kinds of things, you know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of times I put aside my own interests in order to do what other people want just so that way I can keep them in my life, just so that way I can, once again, that cycle of get things back from me of loyalty and worthiness, those kinds of things. A lot of these tie into each other. Um, a big one, accept sexual attention when they need love. That's me. 100%. <laughs> Whether that's in a relationship or not in a relationship, right? Now, I was like, I've I've never cheated on anybody in a relationship. I if I need love, if I need to feel a little bit more love, I'm I'm coming to you for sex. That's how it is, and I don't know how to really ask for love either. But just understand, and that just understand that 
If I feel a little lonely, hey boo, what you doing? Take them pants off, right? Like that's that's me. And that's again a boundary for a lot of people that a lot of people are not willing to to or not a boundary. That's a that's a codependence pattern that a lot of people are not willing to stroke because that isn't healthy. And people don't want to just be there to be your sex toy for when you need love. Like, no, it's there for pleasure and for connecting and all those things. Not, not because you need love or you want a certain different type of, no. But my, sexual, my sexuality is grounded in genuine intimacy and connection. When I need to feel loved, I express my heart's desires. I do not settle for sex without love. And that last statement is where is where I am, why I'm in Sex Addicts Anonymous right now. Because I do settle oftentimes for sex. Or, yeah, I do settle for sex without love. A lot. And it's rough. It, that is rough. But moving on over to control patterns. So when it comes to control patterns, these come to like both 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 like sides of the spectrum like the left and the right needing control and needing to release control or being controlled right so people are like oftentimes are incapable of just taking care of themselves they need somebody else to manage their life for them and that that was me in my last relationship even when it came to my career goals like and those kinds of things it was like i i need you to to like explain to me what my options are. And then I need you to tell me what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, because you know more, you, you think more about it. Like, and I can't make my own decisions for myself because I don't want to make the wrong decision and upset somebody or ruin my reputation or your reputation, those kinds of things. Right. Again, cycle. Um, oftentimes attempting to convince other people what to think, do, or feel as well. So that's that opposite side. In one of my previous relationships, <laughs> whenever I was not feeling well, you know, or we were kind of going through it, I would oftentimes expect him to feel a certain way when that's he doesn't have to. He's he's completely he owns his all his feelings and he can manage them however he wants to. You know, and I would oftentimes try and convince him that he should feel this way because I feel this way. But I it took me a long time to just kind of accept that other people are just as valid in their emotions as me. You know, like it took me a very long time to get down. My emotions are valid. But the other thing that I need to learn is, yes, my emotions are valid but so is everyone else's. And so I, a lot of times in that relationship before I learned that, I would forget that other people's, you know, thoughts and choices and feelings are for the most part just as valid, even if I'm not comfortable with them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, if I if you asked me if I was okay this morning when I was making breakfast and I said, mm, yeah, sure I am, of course. And then we go the whole day, I haven't really said nothing to you. And then it's nighttime, and then you just fell asleep and we're in the bed. And I'm like, so you're really not gonna ask me if everything like you're you really don't feel that that connect like 
so you're good. Like I, those kinds of things, right? And then I would be upset that he doesn't feel some type of way or that, and I would push off his emotions after he then tries to talk and push off his choices and his thoughts and all those kind of things because I was just like, no, you should feel this way. Like, and if you don't feel this way, you don't love me. <laughs> Codependence. Oh, Lord. Um, becoming resentful when others decline my help or reject my advice. That's another big one that I oftentimes do because not all the time do people need your advice but especially when you want to show them that you're worthy of things you, you you're trying i i tried there were so many times in my relationships and even in friendships where i tried to be there 100 and i might have completely stepped out of line and just got shut down right and it has caught it caused so much resentment against that person because it's like i'm trying to show you that i love you and i'm here for you like this is something that i need right again goes back to that this is something i need <laughs> to show you that i'm here <laughs> this is something i need right and so i do the i i'm trying to give you this advice and and all this stuff for me <laughs> and then i get upset at them right um, using blame and shame to exploit other people emotionally. That's also another thing. Look, codependency is just a huge thing. And like I said, there's so many different, there's so many more patterns than just these. Really quickly, like the last one and avoidance that I've really learned is pulling people towards me. But when they get close, I push them away. That has happened a good three times in the last eight, nine months. Because I'll I'll go out knowing that I, you know what? I just need a little bit of companionship and love and somebody just to hang out with and talk to, you know. And then I pull them in. And I, I'm, I'm a very charming guy, you know? <laughs> I'm a very charming guy. People like me, I guess. And so when they are in... They're close. And I don't need you to be that close. I, like, I need to be able to isolate when I want to isolate. I need to be able to not talk to anybody for like a few days and you not feel, or no, no, not you not feel. And I not feel like you might have any specific feelings about this. I need the area to not screw you up before I do. Like those kinds of things. And it's, that is something that I really need to work on. That's something I want to work on currently. That's something I'm trying to work on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just trying to work on welcoming close relationships and maintaining good boundaries is, is hard. I am much more assertive at, at, you know, giving my boundaries and understanding them and trying not to break them. I'm pretty good with it. But once I put, once I, once they're in, I, I need them out. And it's ridiculous because it like you, I have ruined probably such great relationships with people. And, and there was this guy I was telling um, a few weeks ago, and I kind of explained this to him that like right now, and I got this from my, uh, my financial therapist. She, I, I kind of explained her the situation and she told me like, I understand 
you want to be the best you can be for you. Yes. But when it comes to you being in a relationship with, you know, this this guy, this great person, like, you know that they're going to give you 100% of them, the best of them that they can. You just want to return that favor. And you want to be able to accept what they're going to give you. And you you know right now that you can't. And you don't want to you don't want to give them something that they don't deserve. And I could and I could not agree with that more. And that is really I think that's a huge part of this because I pulled them in. I, I think I realized how great they are or how broken I am or how not ready. And it's like, mm, let's just stay over there. Just just right there. No, no, don't take that step forward right there. You know, so it gets rough. It gets hard. And like I said, I've ruined some really good relationships in the process that I know could have been really good, whether they were romantic or platonic. I know I have, but that's all I have on codependency right now. That's a lot of stuff. Like codependency is a lot. It's, it's a lot. Okay. <laughs> but for now, guys, that is all I have for you guys. I want to give a huge thanks to everybody who's made it to the end of this episode. And even a more special thanks to those of you who end up liking and commenting, subscribing, and following our beautiful, wonderful, growing community. Um, I want to remind you that we, I'm always looking for more creators. So if you're interested, please contact me on the website, which also, by the way, Stop by the website, check it out. Check out that new um, posting for Mad Pride, comment on it. Check out some of the merch and be looking for other new content. Like I said, uh, some of those, some of the things I talked about today might go on the mug. <laughs> I like me a mug, but uh, anyway, so guys, thanks. Stay tuned for the next episode and have a lovely day. Bye guys. It was a lot. We used to live together yeah. and everything. We were like a thing. And Jesus. He just completely so True. I think it was just knowing for the first time like that I put everything on a person as if that person was always going to be there as if they could care about me more than I should even though I don't but I should and yeah. that's a lot to put on a person so I was like why don't I put it on something that I create so I put it on music because I was like if anybody betrays me I have no one else to blame because it's my fault. <laughs>